Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Michelle Leslie. And I'm Amy Spreeman. Hey, listeners, are you familiar with Bible Study Fellowship, also known as BSF? It's a parachurch Bible study ministry with local study groups all over the world. I was in it for a number of years, so I'm familiar with it, but uh, we're going to put some links in our show notes if you don't know what it is. But BSF has long been considered by many to be solid and biblical. However, over the last several years, a number of red flags have been raised both by participants in uh, the local groups and even by some in leadership positions. Now, recently, we heard from one listener, Laura Swanson, who told us her story of seeing many of those red flags, which led her to leaving her position with BSF. And uh, tonight, we are so thankful she is here to share her story with you. Laura, welcome. Welcome to a Word Fitly Spoken. Thanks for being on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me here tonight. It's it's been it's a long journey, but I'm so grateful that you in- invited me so I can hopefully help women who are considering um, signing up for another year. Well, why don't we start by just having you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and how long you've been in BSF. Okay, I honestly have not been in Bible Study Fellowship that long. I came um, to Bible Study Fellowship when we, my husband and I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina um, and was looking. I had done Bible studies at our church to make friends with the women in our church, but it just didn't feel like enough. And so I joined um, BSF and I believe it was the, um, the spring of, I was invited to go to spring of 2016, I believe. Um, for the study of John, uh, a woman in my um, my Sunday school at the time had suggested it because I was lamenting not having a deep, meaningful Bible only Bible study. And she said, Laura, you would love this. Have you heard of BSF? And I had before, um, but I received an invitation, went to a visitor's day back when they had those in the spring and joined the class and was in the class for one year as just an attendee, a member and then was asked into leadership that following spring. So I was um, a group leader for only two years before I was given the um, invitation to become the teaching leader of our class. So I think I was in BSF for a total of three years and then four years as the teaching leader. Wow, that's that's really great. I mean, that's interesting that you had been involved in that for so long. Um, we really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Thank you so much for doing that, being willing to talk with us. Uh, but before we get too much further into your story, a few of our listeners have probably never heard of BSF before. Can you describe to them sort of what it is and how it works? You know, how often they meet and what the format is and things like that. Sure. I'd be happy to. Um, the Bible Study Fellowship is sort of a committed Bible study. It's, it has some rigor to it. So they ask you to attend from September to May. And typically we study one um, book of the Bible for that entire um, school year. So September to May. And um, the class member comes after preparing her lesson. When she arrives, she will go directly into um, her group time after completing the lesson, that was one of the reasons why I loved Bible study fellowship was that at the, the beginning, when you just do your lesson, it's just you and your Bible. 
and you open the Bible, no other commentaries. It's just you and the Bible and the Holy Spirit. And you fill out these lesson questions slowly and methodically through a passage of scripture and that you do that weekly for an entire school year essentially. And then you come in, you have a just small group discussion time. You get to know the women in your group over the course of that year. You typically draw very close together in Christian fellowship with one another, sharing, and you're guided by a group leader who gently guides you through the discussion so that you don't get off base and you just stick to what you have learned in scripture that week. You're not, you're not supposed to talk about what you've learned from your church pastors or you've, you know, you've so you're just talking over that scripture and, and the group leader sort of guides that. Then you go in typically to a lecture. It's 30 minutes now, and that's the teaching. And that's where I, my role was. I would give, give the, the exegeted scripture passage and walk them, them through with that, um, what God's intention for the passage was, not what our intention for the passage was. And then um, after that, you would then be free to go home and read the commentary that BSF provides or any other commentary that um, you would would want to read um, and then prepare for the next weeks. And that's so that's weekly um, leaders, however, have a bigger demand on their time. They come for that class day, but they also come for an additional day within the week to do training. And that involves um, a study in doctrine, which I would be responsible for preparing and giving out weekly. Uh, of course, you know, the organizational matters. And then the training of the group leaders would be up to myself and my substitute teaching leaders who would work with me to, to help the women better facilitate the, the study. Um, and then we would go over that lesson discussion. So the leaders are really well prepared. We anticipate difficult passages in the Bible, can help them walk women through um, those parts of scripture that are really difficult to read. And sometimes they have different meanings depending on the different denominations. So we prepare them for that. That's what it would look like to be a member. For the teaching leader, it's pretty heavy because I'm you're studying pretty constantly through that entire passage. You're preparing yourself and listening to sermons ahead of time and or lectures ahead of time and reading a lot, reading a lot of commentary, but also just spending a great deal of time in the word and that honestly was my greatest joy. I loved that part of Bible study fellowship for, for years as a, a class member, a group leader, and then a teaching leader. So that was a po- such a positive thing that I received. You know, and I, I really appreciate it as, as just a class member, uh, how much you got just washed in the word and, uh, the lessons, each of the questions didn't, um, didn't just tell you what to think about that particular passage. It actually had you going exploring all over scripture. You know, what, what does this verse say about what Moses did here? And, and you had to, you know, you really had to think about, um, what, well, this is what it says, not what I, always imagined it would say, or not what the movies said it was, but, you know, this is actually what happened. And I, I so appreciated that because so many women would come to these small groups and they'd say, you know, I never, ever learned this before. Yeah. And, uh, and it's incredible. So many, so many women who are new to scripture would just open it up for the very first time. And it just, the lights would go on and the Holy Spirit uh, would just open their eyes. And it was such a beautiful thing. It really is, Amy. I completely agree with that assessment. Every year I was a group leader and a teaching leader. I always had at least one woman sitting in my group 
or in the class that would say, you know, I thought I was a Christian, but I never really opened my Bible. And this study forced me to read the Bible in context, in order. And a lot of times churches aren't doing that. So the first time they're exposed to that discipline, and then of course we, you know, encourage them to continue that practice because it will really undo a lot of unsound thinking um, and unsound things that you're bringing to the scripture that you assume, you know, but you really don't know them. So that is, yeah, that that was such a joy to my heart too. It really sounds like the whole premise of BSF is really good and solid and biblical, you know, the basic idea of it and what they purpose to do. So, I mean, that's commendable that it started off that way. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I wish that it had continued in that vein. I really, really do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. And so now we need to talk about those red flags that you first experienced. And, um, and, and this is where we first got to know you because you had written a letter to a word fitly spoken, just kind of sharing your heart about uh, some of the concerns that you had and you were feeling pretty alone about it too. So, uh, really glad that you wrote to us. Can you, can you kind of start at the beginning? Just, uh, what were some of those first inklings that, Maybe something wasn't quite biblically sound. I think the first thing was every year um, they give you an opportunity to come to Institute, which is a three or four day gathering of all the TLs globally. They're all invited. You can come if you want to, but you're required to go every three years, sort of like as a refresher course so that you're just bathed in the scripture. You kind of get refocused. Um, And so I, as of course, as a new TL, you're required to go for TL training in San, San Antonio. And I was first introduced to the concept of vision casting. I had never heard that before. I, of course, knew that BSF had a vision and their vision was always put before us. It was to magnify the Lord and mature his people. Our teaching leader would say that quite frequently and we as leaders would parrot it back. She would say, because the, the vision is to magnify the Lord and mature his people so that we understood that BSF was mainly a discipleship organization to come alongside churches um, in the purpose of teaching the Bible in context. So we understood that. But then when I went to this little workshop as a, a trained, being trained teaching leader, it was presented to us in a format that was more like this is a a tool in your tool belt. Mm -hmm. Um, Vision casting will help you form a cohesive class um, in which you, the idea is to choose a word based on prayer in which the Lord would sort of impress on you um, the, where he wants your class to go for that year or the vision you should have Teaching leaders are called to their position. They ask you to make a three-year commitment. And I can understand why they ask you to do that because the fir- your first year, I mean, it's, you just feel like you're taking in water through a fire hose. It's kind of like very new. And you do, you do need that time to, to get used to the process of it. It can be quite intense. Um, but so that was my first kind of, oh, what is this? Because it was presented as if it was um, something that executives use in the business world in order to sort of shape their teams. And I thought that's interesting, but I still didn't have a huge check until later 
But I would say when things started to really not make sense to me was in the the following year. So teaching was fine Mm -hmm. in San Antonio. I met a lot of amazing Christian women. Um, the, The teaching and the theology was very solid. We were always taught by either men or women and um, it, in fact, I don't think I realized until I went to training that they even had men's classes. <laughs> and then I saw all these men's, I knew nothing really. Um, I, I was so green in the BSF world and the, um, the men, the men were taught by men. We, we would divide. I mean, we, they certainly didn't, we would come together for times of worship and things that were like administrative training that weren't scripture, they, we would get, could gather together, but they, I felt like this is solid. This was very biblical. But when that Genesis year, the Institute mm-hmm. was online, it went all online. It was put together. We weren't even sure if we were, they were going to be able to pull it off. Um, Susie did this thing. Susie Rowan, it was at the time, the international executive director of BSF. And she was very compassionate. She said a lot of beautiful things. I think a lot of us needed to hear at a time that was difficult for the entire world. And keeping in mind, teaching leaders are not just from the United States or Canada. This is an international organization. We are in, I believe, over 120 countries the last time I checked. But I was surprised because Susie, in her talk, quoted scripture several times. But the scripture she used was from the Message Bible Oh, and yeah. I thought, why would you do that? <laughs> First of all, as a um, Bible study teacher, we were told you only teach from the NIV. Um, you, of course, can look at other scriptures to help you understand the passage a little better or to help those you're teaching understand the passage. But through your regular course of study, if you quote scripture, we want it to be from the NIV. So this was even a departure from their own rules. And I thought, this is just odd. I, and I, and I wrote down the scripture references that she made and I honestly cannot remember what they were. Um, but when I went and looked in my ESV, because some of her talk was about her insistence that it was going to be community that saw us through this um, severe COVID problem, her focus was on the community, not on Jesus. And I kept thinking that's, that's nice, but I'm Mm. separated from my community. I'm hungry down at home. My community's online. (laughs) Um, But also I didn't need that. I I needed to be bathed in in scripture and to be reminded that this is not our earthly home. And it just wasn't, it didn't ring right to me. Um, So I looked up those passages later and was very surprised to realize that those passages did not mean in my ESV Bible what she was saying they meant. And so that clued me in that she was had come with a message of her own <laughs> and was reading it into the scripture and using scripture to sort of fortify her thoughts on community. Um, and that really upset me at that time. I can imagine. Uh, and one of the things, I'll, I'll just interject this, Laura, because one of the things that when, when I was in BSF in yeah. the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, uh, you could not bring in any other books 
Um, you couldn't bring in, like, like you had mentioned, no other, you, you couldn't right. mention what your, your pastor taught you. You couldn't bring in any, even, even the most biblically sound books that weren't the Bible, you couldn't bring those in either. So, uh, so for her to give you, uh, something from the message, which is not a yeah. Bible translation at all, it's, it's yeah. a mess, which I think is why it was written by one guy, uh, who said he wrote it in his basement, Eugene Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then she gave you the four steps. Steps to Cast Vision, I believe is the name of the publication. And mm-hmm. uh, and that's been circulating around, I think, uh, as long as Susie's been uh, or was in leadership. And that is just shocking that they would bring in a book like that. So, And if you're not familiar with vision casting, we're going to put some links to that and the message and all sorts of other things that you're going to hear about uh, in the show notes today. We're going to have those there, ladies, so that you can research these things on your own. Mm-hmm. So I started to talk to my husband, as you can imagine, about that. And I just told him a couple of things. And he said, that is really odd. And we couldn't figure that out. And we didn't quite know what to do with it, really. I was, wasn't was sure if I should ask my area team, because I don't have direct access to anyone at, um, at headquarters. Um, the only people I have access to are the people that are right above me, sort of in the org chart. Um, and that would be my area team. But at that time, to be honest, we were so overwhelmed with getting our class completely moved online from an in-person class and training people to use the technology before they could even do groups. It was a little overwhelming and I just sort of forgave it. And looking back now, I have regret that I didn't start digging around into who is Susie Rowan and what does she really believe? And I'm ashamed to admit that I didn't do the work I probably should have done. I was a little overwhelmed with my own life and what was going on around me. So I, there are times where I I experienced that having to repent and say, I need to listen a little more clearly when people who are over me, you know, be a little bit more Berean in in that way. And I was not. So I regret that um, very much that I didn't pay attention to that very loud warning bell. I thought that was very loud looking back, especially. So moving through that, we'd also just found out that at that time, Susie announced that she, along with some other colleagues from headquarters, were gracious enough to provide every class with four lectures. And we didn't know who the lecturers were initially until they came into our inbox. And then we had to watch those lectures in order to prepare a little forward. Um, So I dutifully watched the lectures and the lectures were two men and two women, which is fine for a women's class to receive those lectures. And when I was in a gathered meeting, someone asked a question. It was just staff only or a TL meeting only, I can't remember, with my area team on Zoom, someone asked a question and it was answered. And the answer led me to question, wait a minute, are all the same, are this all the classes internationally receiving the same four lectures or will every class receive something different based on the type of class it is? Meaning, will the women's classes get these four lectures and will the men's classes get to other lectures that the women are teaching. So I quickly said, are we all getting the same lectures? Like are the men's classes getting the same lectures? And that's how I asked it. 
And my area team personnel said, Laura, let the men's, the men's classes will worry about the men's classes. And we are just going to worry about our, our area. And I took that to mean that the men's classes would be providing for the men's classes. I didn't understand. She meant basically it's not your business. So I, I didn't understand that, but it was only later that I discovered that they in fact did receive it. I have a quick question. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Laura. Just so you know, we're all clear. I want to make sure our listeners are on the same page with you. These were uh, instructional videos teaching the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. And they were being shown in in the online classes. Like, like we all remember how it was during COVID. Like when your women's Bible study would mm-hmm. all meet together as uh, on a Zoom call. And so the men's classes were doing that too. And they were being taught by a woman in this instructional video, right? She was teaching them the Bible. Correct. Correct. Okay. They weren't teaching anything but scripture. They were actually teaching um, Genesis one through four. So at some point, two women taught internationally to all the men's classes. That was my understanding. And if it wasn't internationally, it was definitely here in our region. And everyone got Susie's teaching, every every international. But we didn't find that out until later. And my husband actually talked to his teaching leader about that Mm -hmm. and why that happened. So the big red flag came at the end of that Genesis year, moving into the study of Matthew. Again, I signed up for the Summer Institute and went to the online Institute for Teaching Leaders. Several hundred um, teaching leaders were gathered, and what they had a workshop that was mandatory for everyone. All the teaching leaders were gathering for the Institute online um, called Biblical Conflict Resolution. And I thought, oh, we're going to get some Matthew 18 and some really healthy ways to understand conflict. And I thought this will be great. Not that I had conflict with my staff. I Every class has a staff made up of the teaching leader, a substitute teaching leader, a children's um, supervisor. If you have a preschool class associated with yours, which we did. And we also have a, a class administrator who... Um, just administrates for the whole class. And she's, they're so important, these roles. And I loved all the women in my staff. It was probably the healthiest ministry (laughs) um, relationships I've ever had. Um, Very genuine. And I just adore these women. They're, they're wonderful, wonderful people and lovely Christian women. But I personally didn't feel that I need it, but we all have had to make, have hard conversations gently. So I knew I could, could use some refreshment um, in that area. But I was shocked when I got into the big giant Zoom call and was told that the very first part where they were going to introduce was a tool in our toolkit. I thought, oh, dear, Um, a tool in our toolkit that would really help us to get along better because it would help us to see what it was like to be on the other side of you. And I thought, where, you know, what is this going to be? But turns out we had to X out of the um, the Zoom call and get onto an, another site that was, um, oddly enough, they, they said it was a, run by a Christian organization. 
that they were going to administer these personality tests and it would take us roughly half an hour to fill them out and the results would be compiled and given back to us within 20 minutes where we would then gather and be broken up by our personality type. And first we would be placed with the group where we were with our like personalities. And then we would be placed with the group that we were going to be placed with those that were opposite in personality to discuss these principles of what it was like to be with our person. And so at the word personality test, I thought, oh no. And I almost X'd out of the Zoom never to return again. And I thought, well, maybe it's not what I think it is. So I'm going to go into this and I'm going to answer this. But Lord, I just stopped and prayed and said, Lord, I need your guidance. And I, I, I'm just, sadly, I need it now. I don't have two to three hours to respond to this. I need to know what to do and say in this moment. And I just knew that this was wrong. And as I went through this test, I thought, I know how my old woman, the one that needed to be crucified on that cross instead of Christ, I know how she would respond to these questions, but I also know what the Holy Spirit has done such a work in my life. I know what my new, how my new woman wants to respond. So I don't know how to answer this. And I, I can tell that this is garbage as a result, that this is not going to be helpful or useful in frankly, resolving conflicts in a way that was biblical or scriptural. And I thought, I don't know how they're going to tie this together. But I ended up, I answered some of the questions, tried to answer some of the first few questions. And I just did what my husband told me to do when we were in high school together. And I was afraid of math exams. He said, just pick C. You'll be fine. (laughs) So I just basically went down and answered it really quick. I got off the, I X'd out of this and submitted my, you know, my personality exam Mm -hmm. and just prayed until we got back together. And my heart was beating and it was down in my stomach. I, first of all, was surprised. I thought I looked for faces, you know, on Zoom calls, it's hard to tell what people are thinking. I was looking for faces that were downcast thinking, was anyone else just so disheartened by what this, I don't, I'm very confused. I, I was looking for that confused face and no one looked like me. Everyone looked very joyful and was gushing over. They couldn't wait to get these results. And I wonder what I'm going to be. And the first thing I noticed was it was a lot of I talk. I I, I always knew I was this. I always thought this. This is, you know, it's such a relief to know this is normal. And I thought this is not normal. So when the facilitator sort of came in to discuss this, I, I did ask him, So, and I was very honest, I told him what I just told you about knowing how my old woman would, would have loved to respond in her sensuality and through her desires and passions, but that Paul tells us to crucify those. Could you help me reconcile which one should I have been answering exactly? And what is the source of this? And how is this tied to, to the Bible? And he basically shoved aside my question. He didn't directly answer it. He just said, well, we're here to help you, to give you yet another tool. He sort of parroted what he said at the beginning to help you understand your personality, because that's the best way to resolve conflict is to understand who you are so that you can help people understand who you are and that you can understand the pitfalls of who you are. And I thought, the Bible tells me who I am <laughs> and I am a sinner saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I, w- I found myself very disheartened. And I frankly didn't want to go back to the Institute classes 
for the, the rest of the days because they were three days long, I believe, and very disheartened, didn't know what to do. And I knew it was wrong, but I didn't know why. And that's kind of where you all come in because I, of course, told my husband right away. He thought that was very weird, but we both didn't have the knowledge to know just how lost in darkness this test is. Um, so I started Googling around this time and I thought, hmm, this is just something's really wrong. At this same time, within a week after I had been praying about, I just need to understand what is really happening. I had to have an, a meeting with my air, one of my area teams because I'd asked her to, to meet with me, um, that I was having difficulty with the satellite. I have a sat, I had at the same time, our class was attached to a satellite that's further down the road from the city out in the suburbs. And, um, they were experiencing a lull in getting leadership. There was about 60 women mm. out there and we had identified mm. 20 that were qualified for leadership. And I had yeah. gotten to my 25th person and no one said yes to moving forward in leadership. And that was disheartening. So I asked, reached out to my area team to, to help me. What do I do now? And she asked me in this conversation, what's your vision? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I said, for my class? And she said, yeah, this is a lack of vision. And she again quoted that same line. I think it's Proverbs 29, 18, but it's, it's taken out of context, actually, um, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. And she said it was where there is no vision, the people perish. And then, but they don't finish it. It's, but blessed is he who keeps the law. And I thought, well, first of all, this is all Old Testament. And we all know there's no prophecy. So what they're saying is, is that without the word of God, you're going to die. <laughs> so the word mm-hmm. of God doesn't teach this. I don't, I don't know what your vision is, but my vision mm-hmm. is to teach the ladies the word of God. And that's what I'm trying to do. Um, but she said, no, you have a vision. And Susie's vision is for exponential growth of the class. And and so we need to have young women embrace BSF in order to attract more young women. Because I was telling her, there was a time where we thought this satellite would grow into a full class, complete with a preschool program. And I was told again and again that this is how we were going to reach the next generation for the Lord. And at the time, that sounds biblical, but... I started looking into vision casting, and this is where I found you all. I Googled one day, is vision casting Christian? Um, I found your white paper on vision casting, I think it was, and then it led me to the BSF leader, and I thought, I'm experiencing this right now. And then I, through Amy, I found Michelle, on a word fitly spoken, both of you together, And I found that incredible. It was so timely. I needed it so bad. I think you had done a um, interview with Marsha Montenegro. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That is correct. And she explained. And as soon as she started talking, I thought this was the test I took. This Mm -hmm. is the Enneagram. They didn't call it that. But it was the nine personality types had this er, the same language. Everything was used, yeah. and I thought this is why it's wrong. It has as as its source um, automatic writing. This is a demonic 
um, tool that Satan is using to distract people from the word of God. And I know so many people who enjoy it. Yes. Um, but just because we enjoy it doesn't mean it's right. And that it was just very eye-opening. So I, I to be I sort of acted like it was my new job to listen to every one of your podcasts. <laughs> what a job. <laughs> well, you know, I've I've not been paid as a VSF leader either. So, you know, I was my salary just keeps growing. Sorry we couldn't pay you very well for that. But um that was it was an intense year because I just kept reading the entire New Testament. I thought, you know, I've got to I've got to understand completely why this is wrong because I started talking to people on my staff about the teaching to to women because at the same time, right around the same time, I found out that Susie had taught to men and no one seemed to think it was a problem except for one gal on my staff who said, I'm a complementarian as well, but I'm still not clear on whether or not BSF is the church. Mm -hmm. And that was where I thought, That's really good because my dear friend, who was also a member Mm -hmm. of the staff, Mm -hmm. when I started telling her that in the Enneagram, and keep in mind, I'm the only one who goes to these trainings. No one else on the staff does. So unless I say something to my staff, they don't know what I'm exposed to. So I was telling them about the Enneagram and I was specifically my friend. I sort of was trying out, getting her reaction and, um, her response to me was not what I expected. She she came and she said, I I don't think it's a problem, the teaching to men thing, because BSF is not the church. I mean, they, they make that expressly clear all the time. And I thought, I better find out the truth of this. So for the next month or two, I really mm-hmm. just, cont- I read my New Testament forward to back several times, searching for like, what does the Lord really say? And I don't think it could be any more clear that Paul says all the churches, this is what I'm teaching to all the churches, that it's in a, it's improper for women to teach to men in all the churches, which means the universal church. And BSF is expressly gathering of disciples. We say that in our vision. We're here to magnify God and mature his people, not unbelievers, but believers. And so when we are gathered to learn about scripture, to teach scripture, we are a gathering of the church. No, we don't baptize people and no, we're not taking communion, but we are still a gathering of God's people for the express purpose of teaching and learning his word. So I don't see how we can go around that. And it took me a while. I had to really search the scripture to make sure I knew what I was talking about before I opened my mouth anymore, because that seems to be still the number one thing people say when I bring it up to them is, but BSF is not the church. And so I now have words to say. And a lot of that, I give credit to to you and also to just reading the New Testament back to front. And I did read um, several times different places in the Old Testament, like study the law, just to make sure I wasn't, am I missing something? Um, But no, I'm not missing something. Um, Susie was in rebellion, but it was really soon after that, really soon after that was before we even started the Matthew year, because I had decided this was going to be my last year. I couldn't be under that authority anymore, um, especially if they won't hear me. And 
that I will turn in my resignation letter. My husband was on board with that. He actually went and talked to his teaching leader and said, well, what do you think about Susie and this other woman teaching to the men's classes? I, you know, and his response was the same as all the women, but BSF is not the church. So, um, but you have options. You don't, you don't have to come to lecture was like, if it's, if it's not good for you, you don't have to come. Not, it's not good for the entire group. Yeah. There's still poison happening, but you don't have to drink it. Just let your brothers drink it. Yeah. That was very alarming. So we both knew this was going to be it. We would not be going on much further. And, um, but very soon after that, we were called to a, a TL meeting where we learned that Susie was stepping down. And I have to tell you, I received that news as a direct answer to our prayer. I thought, finally. And I thought, even mm-hmm. had the thought cross my mind, is she going to repent? Does, has someone said after the Enneagram, did, was someone in, in the closer who had access to her, an area team perhaps, did they say something to her? And was she convicted of sin? And st- like, I kept waiting. <laughs> I kept waiting for that part, but that wasn't it. There was just going to be this sort of smooth transfer that the Matthew year we, was going to be sort of a half and half year where the outgoing executive um, director would be the new, would be introducing the new incoming. And that would be Holly Roberts. And I had met her when I went to training and I thought she was a lovely woman. But again, I met Susie Rowan and I thought she was a lovely woman. So it's really not about loveliness. It's about what you're teaching in the word of God. And so that that was a big lesson. But we thought, well, we sort of my husband and I sort of regathered, we prayed and we said, well, it could be that this is going to turn a new chapter, that BSF will get back to its original, very biblical roots or at least Bible-based roots and um, all this new age stuff will go by the wayside because through your white pages, I was able to figure out um, Susie had written a book with a man named Stephen Graves and Stephen Graves Mm -hmm. is a self-proclaimed pragmatic theologian and capitalist. And that is exact. He writes books about exponential growth. And Susie, on her in her um, glowing sort of introduction to this book that they co-authored, calls him one of her biggest advisors. And I thought that's where all this is coming from. And Stephen Graves is a huge fan of Rick Warren, so it kind of just goes in a line. Like it's not doesn't take very long before you can connect Mm -hmm. those dots. And I thought, well. That's where all this is coming from, this this vision of exponential growth that you and I both know that in order to exponentially grow and be attractional to the world, their words, we need to attract the young women. We need to attract um, the community to ourselves. You really have to lead with a fish hook that is not the gospel because right. the gospel will attract those who are going to be changed by the gospel and it will mm-hmm. repel those who hate Jesus and they'll go on hating the gospel. So we all know that this attractional model is not wise. And frankly, it has no place in the, in the church or any 
group that calls itself a parachurch organization teaching scripture. So that for me was very eye opening at the same time. So I was really grateful that she, we were going to kind of turn the page. And that's what I thought. Unfortunately, that's really not happened. Soon after um, Holly was installed, she announced that she would be teaching um, part of Isaiah. We had a, a new study. It was quite large and it was an intense study. And she said that she would be teaching internationally. And I thought, oh, here we go. And I, my husband, we didn't even have to pray this mm-hmm. time. We, we knew without a doubt. We didn't have to answer any questions for our own sake. Um, I just knew it was time. And I, I knew that I was going to write my resignation letter. And they always ask for those letters to be in December. And I had mine written in October and ready to go. I had talked about it with my pastor and he was so on board. He, of course, was upset. His own mother had been in BSF for years. So he was very um, disappointed to hear yeah. of the way they were going. And But he advised me to really to stick really closely to that the, the women teaching to men. He said, you know, your letter might not make it to her desk. And it will probably make it if it's shorter and very clear. And so he, he kind of advised me on how to do that. And he, he and the elders of our church have been incredibly supportive because, you know, it's, it gets lonely sometimes when you think, am I the only one in the world? Um, and um, we talked about leaving well and yeah. what that would look like. And I asked him, do you think I should just leave now in the middle of, of it all? Or do you think I should just have that clear ending and know that turn in my resignation letter and then teach through May. And he said, it's up to you. You have that freedom to do that. If it becomes untenable and they begin introducing things that they require you to introduce to the women under you, absolutely revisit your, your plan. But um, he was very supportive of me finishing out and talking and having private talks with women and being honest about my decision to leave. And I was able to do that to a degree. If a woman approached me, and asked why I had chosen to leave. I was as candid as I could be. It was just a very difficult time to negotiate because as you can imagine, it's so hard because you don't want to discourage women from coming to Bible study, especially one that seems so strong. Yeah, it is. That kind of the bulk. And I was able to step out and, and still have interesting conversations. But sadly, most of the women that I have talked to are signed up again for this year. There's not, doesn't seem to be a true, I can't explain it. And they'll even agree. Some of them will say, I'm a complementarian and I, I would, I don't want, I guess they feel safe because they're women getting taught by women, but I don't think they understand mm-hmm. what qualifies a leader and that you cease being qualified if your life also doesn't match up with what we are taught in scripture in that way. And when I did have a talk with my area team, they said the same thing. Well, BSF is not a church. And I was able to tell them exactly why it was still wrong and not, it was rebellious. Um, And I was told, well, you know, you have a weak conscience. If your conscience is bothering you, and I said, this is not really a matter of conscience. This is not how Paul, the 
Russell talks about a matter of conscience. This isn't me being sensitive or a, a weaker sister in, in an issue about sin. I mean, this is a not me just being sensitive. This is about Susie mm. and Holly both being in rebellion to God's word right, as right. leaders over women who are supposed to be teaching them what is good. And this is not good to teach that the created order is somehow like right. worse than the fallen order. I, I think that was something that was, you know, kind of lost on them. And I, they just kept repeating that it's a matter of conscience, that this is a secondary issue that we're not going to fight over. And I thought, I need to tell them. This is not a primary. I learned this from Michelle Leslie. This is a sin issue. That's right. And I can see that clearly in scripture. And I I can give you the verses and encourage you that the created order is, this is what Paul calls upon in order to act as witness against what he's saying. And he again says, if you don't believe me, understand that I'm an apostle of Christ. You know, he says that in 1 Corinthians 14. It's very clear if you read the whole passage. And these are clear passages of scripture. There is nothing unclear here. Why we aren't clear is because we're bringing our own sensibilities. We want the scripture to say something. So we're just insisting that it does without really reading it the way God has written down for us. Right. And that, that's been very, that's been sad to see. It has. It has. You know, um, listeners, uh, we have a, a condensed version of the letter that Laura wrote to us, and uh, she gave us permission to post it on uh, both Berean Research and michellelesley.com, uh, so you can go there. We'll put links in our show notes, but uh, it, it is a fascinating, we, we've got links as to every single red flag that you've just mentioned and a few more things uh, and how you were treated at the time and how you felt about, you know, kind of being the only one, the the lone ranger. Am I the only one who thinks that, um, that this is unbiblical? Am I the only one who has a problem with this? And that is such a common thing that so many of our listeners uh, will tell us. Yeah, it really is. And, and we hate for anybody to feel alone, but you know, um, so many of our brothers and sisters have been the only ones standing at times, you know, throughout church history. And, uh, and the, really the only thing that matters is that we are standing for Christ and his word. And, uh, and he rewards those who are persecuted for standing for him. And so we have, you know, we have that to be comforted by and, and to look at and everything. And I was just going to ask you, um, you know, did they, did the leadership at the top get your letter? Did they ever respond to it? And then uh, after you talked to us about that, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you've been doing since you left uh, BSF, maybe your activities at church and things like that. Sure. Um, that was sort of interesting to me. I had a initial meeting with my area team to discuss my resignation letter where we had that difficult talk about women in ministry And the second time was because I let them know I was not going to be teaching from the NMV Bible um, unless it was prior to 1980. It was the 1984 edition because I was pretty certain that part of the problem that even women is because they're reading from the NMV that uses, has those added words, assume authority over a man which we mm-hmm. all know is not the translation front in the Greek. And I, I told them very candidly, I think that's what is causing a lot of this confusion when we read that those words. So I'll be only teaching from the N, the ESV, the NASB, 
And um, I will use the NIV on occasion, but only from the 1984. Can I have your permission to do that? And I was told you have to teach exclusively from the, yeah. the NIV, but we can give you permission to do the 1984. But they, my area team was not aware of the trouble. Mm. So I gave them a mini lesson on the history of, of that and how <laughs> they, have resi- they um, the Zondervan publishers had um, removed all the footnotes that would tell you clearly that this word in Greek means men exclusively, and this word means brothers and sisters. So it's men and women together, and that would be incredibly helpful for our. I mean, we say we want to teach real Bible study. Do you want the translation that is as closest to God wrote it, or do you want what you want? And one of my area team was fascinated. She had not ever heard that. She did not know it, and. Because of some personal things going on in her life, I think she had recently become very aware of how important it was that gender neutrality is not a thing. And that if, you know, the NIV even says that it's David's mighty warriors, it doesn't say they're David's mighty men. And I think Mm -hmm. she had, she just, I, so I think I may have left a tiny little pebble in her shoe but at that time, they both revealed to me they wanted me to write my resignation letter again and include that about the, the 1984 edition of the, the NIV. And I said, out of curiosity, what happened to my first letter? And they had to, oh, they had to tell me that they just kind of, it doesn't go anywhere. It stops oh. them. They just need to know if I'm coming back or not. No one really cares why, especially oh, no. negative. Oh. I thought, well, that's interesting. And then they told me that they do have opportunities with select if they want to, to send a letter on and that they would be sending my letter on to Holly. And I thought, oh, wow, wonderful. Great. But I've, I've not received a response. So I'm, I don't know if that means she's got it or mm. that someone filed it in the trash can. For a second time, I don't. I, I have no way of knowing that. So yeah. Oh, well, have you been know. able to maybe teach the Bible to the women at your church or something like that? Since you know, since this was such a big part of your life, and I'm sure you enjoy teaching and everything. I do. I really enjoy teaching. It is a blessing to my heart. To be honest, my favorite part of mm-hmm. teaching is all the studying and beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, the, a huge amount of time you have to spend in the word. It's just such a, a gift. As you know, it's just a gift. Yeah. Um, I, I'm amazed that he left us the Bible. I'm just amazed. We don't deserve this. Yeah. And we have all this goodness. So I am now part of a team that teaches women um, Bible. We start our first Bible study for the fall together on Friday, actually. And they're teaching oh. through Proverbs, believe it oh. or not. I was a little like, wow, okay, <laughs> we'll start there. So we, I've been preparing myself for that. And um, my husband and I are um, very involved in care ministry for widows and people in our church that have difficulties. We actually help the pastors. We're just kind of their hands and feet, mm-hmm. not a place, not a role of authority at all, mm-hmm. um, but a role of servanthood. And we've just in enjoying that because it really is practical needs like getting lawns mowed, mm. um, contacting gas company, making sure a mom has a car and a babysitter when she gets a new job and can't 
manage all that. So we just have been facilitating that for the church and that's been a blessing. Oh, that is fantastic. So wonderful. Well, Laura, you have just been on such a journey with all of this. And as we bring your story to a close, I just have a couple more questions. Um, first of all, Amy and I, you know, we have both written about some of the issues with BSF and we've we've both received really mm-hmm. some backlash from, from BSF participants who either they didn't believe us or they just basically said, well, none of that's happening in my local group. So it's fine. How would you answer someone who who would say something like that to you? That's such a good question. I think I would tell her, you know, to be on guard. That don't don't do as I did and and sort of be asleep and be on autopilot, assuming that everything that you receive is good. And to to be aware that just because you are going to the class doesn't mean you are aware of what's going on in the training time. That is where this false teaching is coming from. Actually, it's coming from headquarters and it's mm-hmm. going to your teaching leader. And if she's not discerning, it's it's moving through your class. I mean, I was asked, have my women sign up for the Enneag- the Enneagram, which would have spread that around. Um, and then we would have all been doing it and enjoying ourselves doing it right. and thinking we were having a tool in our tool belt that was going to help us be more biblical. Yeah. Um, and that would not have been true. So I, I think they need to pray and ask the Lord to open their eyes to see the truth, even though it hurts. It does hurt to, to be, it hurts because you realize you've been deceived. And it also hurts to realize that this is something you thought you could trust. It, it feels, little bit like a betrayal. Um, but the Lord will see you through that, that our, our savior was betrayed um, by people yes. close to him. And, um, and our job is not to, to hate them. Our job is to forgive them and to warn them and then yeah. put ourselves as best we can under really good, strong teaching. And I think this is part of the issue. My husband and I were in a church that was not as strong at the beginning of my BSF walk. We started going to the church we're going to now that has is incredibly strong doctrinally, biblically. We get lots of just Bible. It, it saturates everything. It's not a lot of touchy-feely worship music. It's, it's hymns. And so that soundness actually caused us to be more sound in the way we approached other areas of our life. So that's what I honestly think is the most important. Get to a doctrinally sound church. That's what you need. You need to be washed in the pure water of the word. Fellowship is wonderful, but it is not more important than you understanding the scripture. You need to be in church. Absolutely. But you need to be careful about that. So I think that's how I would answer her is just don't don't think that it's not going to make its way down to you. It's like saying it's like. And through an hourglass, really. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, I would I would probably yeah. tell our listeners, think of it like this. If you were going to a women's Bible study where your teacher had been trained by Beth Moore or Stephen Furtick or Rick Warren or, you know, Kenneth Copeland or somebody like that, would you still go to that Bible study class knowing that your teacher had been trained in false doctrine and by a false teacher? That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about your teacher at your BSF class 
having been trained by someone who is, um, you know, who is into the Enneagram maybe, or doesn't know that the Enneagram is, is not a good thing, or, you know, has had all this other false doctrine fed to them that is filtering down to you. So, so be thinking about it like that and absolutely get yourself, if you're not into a, if you're not a member of a doctrinally sound church, get into one today, go, go find one. We've, you know, I've got that, that resource on my blog where you can look for a doctrinally sound church to get into because that is so important. Well, Laura, my last question for you is what would you say to someone who, despite everything that you've told us today, everything that we've talked about still wants to sign up for BSF? What would you tell her? Would you recommend that? Hmm. (laughs) Well, no, 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 I wouldn't. Um, but and I'm in that position right, right now myself. But I, I would, I'm praying for those friends for their eyes to be opened. Um, and I'm also praying for Holly and the people at headquarters. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm not giving up there either. I, I'm praying that they will receive enough criticism that they'll listen to. And start really thinking Good. about what they're doing and and where the source of all their you know business tools is re, where it's really coming from. I really wish they would would know that and I'm praying for that aim. So that would be right. my advice: pray for those sisters. Um, don't break friendship over this. This that is not right. Um, then you lose an opportunity to sprinkle in a little bit of salt and to introduce those pebbles and invite them to your church. If they're not in a doctorally sound church, invite them to yours. (laughs) Um, So, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that really just sums it all up, Laura. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show and for sharing your story with us. It has been so helpful. And I know that our, our listeners have really appreciated it. And we certainly appreciate it as, as well. So thank you so much. My pleasure. And thanks you so much again for the two of you for the work that you do. It felt like a slap in the face, but it was, oh. it was you know, that proverb that says like, <laughs> You know, you don't want kisses from flatterers. You you want stern rebuke from those who right. like you. And that's, that's really what that is. So thank you so much for yeah. loving the body of Christ so well with discernment oh. ministry. Oh, praise God. Yes. Right. Thank yes. You. Thank you. Really appreciate having you on. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Wow, that was just an incredible experience uh, that Laura had. But Amy, I know that you participated, like you said, in BSF years ago, and you've written several articles for Berean Research detailing some of these same issues that Laura told us about and also many others. Yeah, many others, unfortunately. And and like Laura said, it, it is such a heartbreaker when you uh, realize just how far this organization has fallen. Uh, I started back in 1999 when uh, we lived in Minnesota. Uh, we were married, our, our children were very small, um, and I was in it for two years. And that is where I heard uh, the gospel being uh, taught for the very first time. The Lord graciously opened my eyes. It was during the, the study of 
of uh, a Matthew, I believe, and, and one of my neighbors had invited me to BSF. Uh, it's kind of one of those invitation things. And so uh, I went and it was the first time I'd ever uh, had a Bible in my hands. It was the first time I cracked one open and read it. And uh, during one of the the lecture part, uh, the leader there uh, gave the full gospel and just tied it all together beautifully. And I I just bawled. I, I had thought, it, like Laura said, I, I had thought I was a, a you know Christian saved, and here it turns out that I wasn't at all. And I understood what repentance was, and I understood what propitiation meant, and and what the gospel was all about. And so uh, when we moved to Florida two years later, I knew I needed to be in BSF. And um, found a church about uh, 20 minutes north of us. It was in Coral Springs, uh, Florida, and that one had a really good Bible study, uh, you know, BSF session there too. Uh, sidebar though, uh, now that church campus uh, is owned by a different church completely than it was back then. Uh, it's called Church by the Glades. And if you've ever heard of that one, Michelle, oh, it is the wow. most apostate. It is the most heretical. Yes, it you is. Can't even, yeah, you can't even call it a church. It's just simply awful, just awful. Uh, there's no there's no two ways about that. But anyway, uh, back in the day, it was owned, I believe, by it was uh, run by the Baptists, and then they ended up selling it. But uh, at that time, uh, I was asked to be a children's leader. So uh, you know, Laura had mentioned the preschool program that they have. Well, the preschool kids didn't just get uh, juice cookie and, you know, puzzles. We actually taught them scripture at their level. And so uh, I, I really was blessed by that. And uh, then we moved to Wisconsin, where we are now, and I joined BSF here back in the day, and uh, it was a little bit smaller. And uh, I left that study only because I had taken that radio job uh, during the day, uh, Stand Up For The Truth, and I couldn't do both things. But it was during my time at Stand Up For The Truth that people would write to me and say, hey, I've got some concerns about um, Bible Study Fellowship. And uh, the first article that I wrote, I believe, yeah, it was back in uh, 2015, and I wrote about uh, the fact that uh, one of the teachers uh, was bringing in Jesus Calling, and uh, that was being spread through um, one of those organizations. So it was Jesus mm -hmm. Calling. Um, there were more testimonies about spiritual formation, vision casting, all the things that, that Laura mentioned were happening back then. Um, so I wrote about it in 2015, 2018, 2019. I've got a whole list of them there that we'll include in the show notes today. But bottom line is when, when I had, you know, first realized just how far south BSF was heading, I, I I was very upset that I, but I knew I needed to report on this. I needed to tell the truth. I needed to stand up and say, "Hey, this is happening in some. I don't know if it's all, but it's happening in some." And then, yes, it's happening at leadership level too. And uh, of course, the the local ladies called and said, "Yeah, but we're not doing that here." So I kind of got that same that same story. And I'm glad that they weren't doing it. I'm glad they were sticking to scripture, yeah. regardless of what may, maybe they were hearing at the leadership level, but still they were hearing it at the leadership level. And that, that poison is like a yeast. It just spreads and spreads and spreads. So, um, so that was my experience with BSF. It is heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I have to wonder, we, in scripture, we don't really see this parachurch model that we see in evangelicalism today. We see uh, Christians being taught 
by their pastors and elders and teachers in the local church. And one of the reasons that that is important is because the pastors and the elders are to be overseeing. That's why they're called overseers. They're to be overseeing what is going on and and knowing what is going on and correcting any errors and, and things of this nature. And I just have to wonder if maybe that is contributing uh, the lack of over oversight over BSF by pastors and elders. And also the fact that it is right. so huge. I mean, it's an international organization. There's no way, you know, a, a pastor and a few elders could oversee everything that goes on in BSF. But this is why uh, it's so important uh, the local church is so important is because those pastors and elders have oversight. And I, I really just think that that has contributed to some of the problems at BSF. It's a lack of pastoral oversight. The people who are in charge, I mean, obviously, if you've got a woman in charge, she's not a pastor, or at least she's yeah. not supposed to be. Um there's there's no pastoral oversight. There's no local church oversight. And so, ladies, if you are looking for an alternative to BSF, look to your church. Talk to your pastor yeah. about, you know, if if he would even start a, a small group Bible study for the women in your church, or if he would train a woman to, to teach well uh, and start a, a Bible study for women in your church, or just you know, be in your Sunday school class, be in your small group and things like that. You don't you don't have to have these extracurricular off campus parachurch Bible studies. Um, and, it, you know, the fact that it's ecumenical as well, that that's going to cause some problems as well, because there are, uh, quote unquote, churches out there who have members participating in BSF that are going to be bringing some unbiblical thoughts and interpretations and ideas into your small group, uh, your your class, your BSF class. So there are just a lot of issues where it really helps us to see that God's plan is the local church. And so that's, uh, yeah. I really think we need to focus our efforts that direction. Yes. Wow. You know, <laughs> This has been a lot to take in. I know for for me, yeah, I've been a long one of our longer ones. <laughs> yes, but I'm sure our, after our long summer break, I think our our listeners would be okay with that. We're making it up to them a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, we are. <laughs> uh, but listeners, after everything that you've heard tonight, I I think you can tell that there are some serious problems with BSF. Maybe your local group seems fun, but you know who knows how that false doctrine could possibly be sneaking in without your noticing it. But anyway, we would urge you to prayerfully consider whether you can still be a part of an organization that calls itself Christian while its leadership is flagrantly rebelling against God. That's not a question that we can answer for you and we will not have to answer to God for your decision but you will. So make sure that your decision is wise and biblical. And that's going to wrap things up for this episode of A Word Fitly Spoken. Don't forget to check out the show notes for more links and resources and stop by our website, awordfitlyspoken.life, where you can listen to all of our previous episodes, support us through PayPal or Patreon, and discover how you can book Amy and me to speak at your next women's event. Yes, and until next time, study your Bible, be discerning, and walk worthy. 